Hello, welcome to episode 8 of the Getting to Grips MMA and BJJ podcast. Today we sit down, drink some coffee, talk about stuff going on in the MMA world, including Rampage trying to fight Ryan Bader outside of the Bellator cage whilst wearing a shirt. We also talk about James Haskell moving into MMA, Khabib Ferguson and the history of that fight and trying to make it and how difficult it is. We talk about Dana White trying to artificially insert Conor McGregor back into the title picture. We talk about... Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal, Nate Diaz, lots of random stuff. Just, I don't know. I've forgotten what we talked about. Just listen to it and see if you like it. We're brought to you by desktopdojo.com. All right, should we drink some coffee and talk about fights? Yeah, let's get stuck in. Actually, you probably shouldn't have any more coffee. No, I'm on my third cup today. It's plenty, plenty. But it's a rainy day here in Tbilisi. And, uh, yeah, been sitting out on the, uh, on the balcony, enjoying the weather. I, on the other hand, nice. I'm going to drink lots of coffee. Nice. And uh, everybody who's listening to this through headphones, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm just excited to have a coffee maker again. You know, the coffee in Thailand was fucking awesome. I yeah. love being able to go and get a nice coffee. But there's something nice about being the master of your own coffee destiny and being able to percolate coffee in the morning. Oh, man, what a feeling. Shout out to Nat for uh, yeah, hooking Nat. us up with four delicious bags of Thai coffee beans before we left. Yeah, if you guys haven't ever tried Thai coffee, it's the nuts. Forget all this South American, Hawaiian stuff. Uh, Thailand's where it's at. Yeah, fuck uh, Juan Valdez. <laughs> fuck that guy. Fuck him and his donkey. <laughs> Thai coffee's where it's at. So, uh, fueled up with this Thai coffee... Let's talk about Bellator first, sure. Because uh, we just watched the main event. Um, Bellator, it, I mean, it, listen, Bellator's like methadone for the UFC. I, I'm an MMA fan, but there's only so much time that you have to watch fights, especially now that we're back in a country where I actually get to watch sport. And now, like, we're watching rugby again, and and there's all kinds of other stuff to watch. I will only watch a Bellator usually after the fact if I know the fight is good or if there's like a really good fight like uh, Benson Henderson is fighting or Rory McDonald is fighting, you know, Diego Lima or, or there's just a, a worthwhile fight to watch. I didn't really give a shit about this last card, to be honest, but I heard that there was a bit of controversy involved in the main event with Czech Congo and... Uh, Ryan Bader, so I thought we'd give it a watch, yeah. and uh, we we just watched it. What, what was your takeaway? Well, Bellator is kind of a funny, like, just about the organization for a second, because I always, like, I thought there's some feeder organizations for the UFC, right, like, where people come up, and then Bellator yeah. sort of strikes me as the organization where people kind of go, go down, like, if they get dropped by the UFC, then they end up in Bellator, or maybe they're past their prime, or... You know, whatever, and that's not like a knock on to the fighters because you're right, like you've got some really dynamic fighters and stuff in Bellator, but it just seems like it's an organization where people go who, you know, maybe aren't at the peak of their careers. Is that unfair? No, I actually really like what you just said though, because it's true. Like, if, when I think about like a feeder organization for the UFC, where the UFC will pick talent from, you yeah. know, obviously they have Dana White's contender series now, so they, they have that platform too. Um, and they have Dana White looking for a fight, which is more about YouTube views than it is about actually finding fighters. But they have organizations. The first one that comes to mind is um, the Professional Fighters League, the PFL, which was formerly the World Series of Fighting, which kind of promoted itself as a feeder organization for the UFC. Mm. Um, for the women, you have Invicta, 
Um, and then the U- there are other organizations that the UFC uses across the world, um, uh, uh, like different European organizations and things like that. I, I forget the name of the organization that Conor McGregor came from. But um, yeah, the, you know, World Series of Fighting, now PFL, that's where Justin Gaethje came from. You know, the, those are the kind of places that the UFC will find future talent from. But mm. you're right, Bellator has now kind of become the place that you either go to take a kind of sabbatical from the UFC and recharge your career and then come back or somewhere you go where, you know, you may still be a good fighter, but you're just not quite able to mix it up with the upper echelons of the UFC anymore. Yeah, or you've fallen out with Dana White. Or you've fallen out with Dana White, exactly. So now you end up, you know, Bellator is more interesting because of that now. You know, you've got an organization. Lots of people fall out with Dana White, so they've got a pretty (laughs) rich, uh, rich pool of talent there now. It, it definitely makes it more watchable. Mm-hmm. I mean, now they've got Ryan Bader, they've got Rory McDonald, they've got Benson Henderson, you know, they, they've got these guys that really are worth watching. Yep. Um, you know, put Paul Daly is there, they've got MVP, they have interesting fighters. Nobody's ever going to argue that it's on the same level is as the Is that Paul UFC. Daly of The Daily Show? Paul Daly of The Daily Show. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's just... Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't watch Bellator probably as much as I should considering we're doing a podcast about MMA, but what can I say? There are more interesting ways to spend your time and uh, there's only so much time in the day. But that being said, um, Ryan Bader, Yeah, there's interesting Congo, things that happen over there, that's yeah, for sure. Ending in a no contest, Ryan Bader Damn beating the shit out of Czech Congo for about three and a half minutes before an illegal eye poke happens. It looks... I mean... He was winning that fight convincingly. That wasn't going to change. Ryan Bader was always going to win that fight. He had Czech Congo pressed up against the cage in a kind of Khabib-style beatdown position, uh, was throwing uppercuts, and it looked to me like he ended up raking his thumb along Czech Congo's yeah, left eye. I mean, it was a really weird kind of hand position because it didn't look like the hand that you'd expect to go into someone's eye. But... I mean, it was clear that that's what had happened, and it did look like it was very painful as someone who's also taken a thumb in the eye. Uh, it's really fucking painful. So, I don't, yeah, I don't, just kind of a kind of a shame, but I don't think that fight was going to go any better for Chet Congo. No. A thumb I, in the eye is probably the least of his worries at that point. I, I kind of, I, I put this on today to watch, ready to jump all over Chet Congo, because he has a history of being a bit dodgy in the cage, um, hitting a lot of groin shots, shots himself, faking some groin shots, and mm. just kind of being a bit underhanded in uh, in his gamesmanship. And bit so, John I, yeah, I, w- I was ready to to watch it and uh, and kind of shit all over him and go, oh, he faked it. And but having seen it, it did look like it was a legitimate kind of. I, I don't want to call it an eye poke, an eye scratch, an mm. eye rake, something like that. Yeah. Um, and he did say that he can continue. Whether he could or whether he couldn't, I I don't know. But he he did legitimately get poked in the eye, and it ends in a no contest. Yeah. So bit bit Ra- disappointing. Rampage there. wanted that fight to continue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The the most interesting thing about the whole situation was Rampage trying to get in Ryan Bader's face afterwards. Um, and Rampage is not the most mentally stable of characters at the best of times. You know, I, I think a, a lot of people who are new into the sport will forget it was it would have been about two thousand and nine or two thousand and ten maybe when. Uh, he was he was either light heavyweight champion then or he had just lost the championship um and he went on this kind of <laughs> rampage huh. uh through the streets of LA in his monster truck ended up crashing into a bunch of people what? and then was uh face down on the ground with the LAPD pointing pistols at him god um 
and you know it's, it's not it's not the first time that something like this has happened with Rampage I haven't seen that but I think he's just trying to keep himself relevant of course you know Rampage is exactly one of those fighters that you were just talking about where he's found a new home in Bellator where people are going to pay him more money than he deserves to barely train at all for fights that he goes in there and he's either going to knock you out or just get ground down in a, in a boring decision yeah his like persona is probably the most interesting thing about him with those big chains around his neck I think uh, that's yeah that's as interesting as it gets now I really thought uh, after he did a pretty good job as B.A. Barakas in the A-team, I thought. Yes, I you forgot. Know? I thought he was, was going to awesome be a big star that, after that. Yeah. 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 I thought he was going to do some more acting uh, and kind of, I, I mean. He was if, probably trying to pick fights with the crew and they just wouldn't have him back. If you'd have asked me back then whether he'd be like fighting Chell Sun in, in Bellator 10 or 11 years later, I would have told you you were crazy. But, uh, but here he is, still trying to fight Ryan Bader. Ryan Bader being kind of one of the most legitimate fighters in that entire organization. Yeah, and somebody seems... who's already beat Rampage, yep. too. Yeah. Um, anyway, that, that's about all i got to say about, about Bellator. No, and... no, I've got something. I've got something. Oh, yeah? Haskell, yeah. James Haskell. Oh, shit, yeah. Because we're go- going into World Cup season, so this is pretty, pretty relevant, I think. So I think you actually know more about this than me well, from, so, from the MMA side. Yeah, so I just read about this on the BBC. Hang, hang on one, one second. Okay. I should say for our non-British listeners, James Haskell... Oh, yeah. Um, is a famous rugby player, um, played for Harlequins in the English Premiership, um, played for England, actually captain England on a couple of occasions. Um, very, very good rugby player, uh, incredibly mm-hmm. athletic human being. He's always been involved in MMA in one way or another. When I trained at London Shoot Fighters for a bit back in the day, he used to be hanging around doing some grappling and he's always been interested in jiu-jitsu. No idea what his striking's like. Anyway, I... He's in his 30s now. He's retired from rugby. And uh, I believe you told me he signed a contract with Bellator to fight in the heavyweight division. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much summed up everything I know just there. So I think we probably know the same amount as each other. But um, <laughs> I the... just didn't know whether you knew what his fight was going to be. or No, they haven't. I don't think that they've announced like who he's going to he's gonna face. Uh, did you know that he's married to Richard and Judy's daughter? I did not. No, me neither. Most people won't give a shit about that. But I just think it's Richard kind of... and Judy's daughter? That's her. Seriously? Yeah, that's her. So, yeah, again, for, for the non-British listeners, Richard and Judy, um, if, if you're English, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. They're, they're like uh, relatively famous daytime TV hosts. Very genteel, um, slightly annoying daytime TV hosts that uh, host shows where they talk about flower arrangements and things like that. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't need to be. What would the American equivalent be? Like Good uh, question. Regis and yeah, Regis and Kathy Lee. Regis if they were Kathy if they were Lee. married, yeah. I suppose that's kind of what it would be like. Yeah, very odd, odd, odd dynamic. They had a massive like book club and stuff like that. So the most interesting part of this article, I thought, was that he did train at Shoe Fighters. So I wondered if you guys would, did you cross paths? With I, him? Ne- I never actually physically crossed paths with him, right. but I, I knew that he was like in there doing some training and stuff. Obviously, like while he was. Uh, while he was playing professional rugby, he didn't have that much time to dedicate to it during the season. So I, I didn't see him around the gym that much. Yeah, so he went and um, like just to work on his like takedowns and stuff like that. I don't think you call them takedowns when you're in rugby, do you? What do you call it? Tackles. <laughs> Tackles. <laughs> but um, anyway, they just approached him and like Bellator approached him and said, well, what do you think about MMA? He's like, I'm in. It's, so, this is one of the more interesting things to me. Like yeah. I, Knowing, kind of being a rugby fan and, and knowing James Haskell as an athlete, the guy is a beast. I mean, he is, he is an insane athlete. And if, if he manages to translate that athleticism, I know he can grapple. 
You know, he's no joke mm. in the grappling department. I have no idea what his striking's like, but if he's able to translate the work ethic and the athleticism that he brought to the rugby pitch, yeah. then I'm interested to see him Me fight. Too. You know, and, and I think that Bellator is the perfect place for him. He's I'm not sure exactly how old he is, but I'm assuming he's uh, deep into his 30s, maybe 35, 36. Um, so, yeah, if it's, if it's on sure. there, we could look it's it not, up. But yeah, yeah, I'm assuming he's around 36. And so it, it wouldn't really make sense for him to start like, in a really small organization and try and work his way up. He does have a name yeah. which he can leverage to get a contract with Bellator. And I think a lot of people are going to be interested to see him fight. And I think in the UK, people will tune in to watch. It's... You know, it's kind of a novelty, but he's a legit athlete. Yeah, let's, he's, let's see he's, what he can do. He's got grit. You know, he said, he said himself there's not going to be uh, any spinning back kicks or axe kicks or anything like that. They're not going to see uh, anything like that from him. But, you know, he's a very determined human being, and I think he's he's definitely going to give it his best shot. It might not be the most elegant and, and uh, technically perfect fighting we've ever seen, but fuck it. I mean, he's... He's heavy, and, and uh, I think it's going to be pretty interesting. So he's two years older than me. He's 34. Okay. Uh, born in 85. So, yeah, you know, he's, he's still got some time. He's, he's got a few years he could put into his, his trade. And you can be older and get away with it in the heavyweight division like we talked about before. So, yeah, let's, let's see what's up. Let's it's see. Interestingly, despite the fact that we were training in the same gym for a, a brief period of time, the uh, only time that I've ever actually crossed paths with him is having uh, drunken conversations with him in the White Horse and Fulham. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, he used to. He loved it, man. He was in, and I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. I think this is before he was married, but it, it, you used to see him go in there surrounded by gaggles of blonde-haired uh, Chelsea girls. No kidding. Um, yeah, posh public school girls just flocking to him as he passed a rugby ball around uh, with a pint next to him uh, on the. The, the green next to the white horse. That's hilarious. Do you know he's going on I'm a Celebrity? That doesn't surprise me in yeah. the slightest. Yeah, that'll be awesome too. I can't wait to watch him eat a few bugs. That'd be hilarious. Yeah, anyway, that's that really um, in, that, in that little section. So I'm just uh, going to quickly have a look. Uh, if, if you wouldn't mind actually just bringing up uh, the Bellator heavyweight division. Sure. Because I'd just like to speculate for two minutes on what might be a good first fight for him. I think I probably spelled this wrong. I think, like, uh, off the top of my head, there's a big experience difference, but I would love to see him fight um, Liam McGeary. I think that would be a great fight. Okay. Kind of uh, a, a best of British heavyweight affair. So, All right, let's have a look go. at this. Matt Mitrione, way too experienced. Um, he would get his block knocked off. Uh, Chel Sonnen could be a fun fight. I mean, Chel Sonnen obviously would would go in as a favorite, but I mean, Chel Sonnen has now now retired, so that that's not going to happen. Um, Czech Congo just uh, a bit too much experience there. Um, I don't think that's a good idea. Nor Roy Nelson, definitely not Fedor. Um, this, I mean, that's just the top ten. So yeah, listen, I mean. I, I can't see the rest of the heavyweight division on there, but there's no way that James Haskell is ready for any of those names in the Certainly top 10. Not. I mean, Frank Mir is at number 10, and, and regardless of the fact that Frank Mir is on the downside of his career, I can only imagine that Frank Mir would beat the brakes off, uh, off James Haskell. Yeah, this is the thing with Bellator, because these are all super experienced fighters, even though you know they're kind of older dudes now, and st- so is Bader. I mean, I mean, sorry, so is... Uh, what's his name? Who am I trying to say? Fucking hell, Haskell. Yeah, you're right. They're all... Speaking of somebody who's going to be 34 before too long, I'd just like to say that I think that 34 is not too old. I, th- I think... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, I think, yeah, it's too, it's quite deep. I mean, there's quite a lot of experience in that list, isn't there? There's really not anyone. Who... Yeah, I mean, it's not the UFC, but the top ten in that division. I mean, it's, he might it's... have a chance against Roy Nelson. You know, he's quite. I know Roy Nelson's an amazing fighter, but he's fat as fuck. Moves like molasses. Roy Nelson <laughs> would absolutely destroy James Haskell. I just want to go on record as saying, I, in my opinion, James Haskell has absolutely no chance against Roy Nelson. Roy Nelson, everybody forgets because of the way he looks. He is a legitimate black belt in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. He can wrestle, and he has just crazy, unbelievable knockout power, despite the fact that he looks like he just sits at home eating dominoes all day. I know. That, he should that fight CM fight. Punk. I know they're not in the same <laughs> That would be perfect. I wouldn't put it past Bellator to put that fight on. Yeah. Okay, he, here you go. All here right. you go. I've got the full heavyweight division okay. up, uh, up here. Okay. So, outside... Of the top 10. Okay, I would like to see him fight. Vanderlei Silva. I was just looking at that. Is listed as a heavyweight in this list. I think that, that would be a fun fight. Uh, Vanderlei Silva, getting older. Obviously a lot more experienced, but a lot smaller than James Haskell. Could be fun. Josh um, Barnett? Oh yeah, look, James Haskell. His yeah. name's on the list. Here, coming in here. Oh, yeah. Um... Tim Johnson could be a fun fight as somebody who's going to look to grapple with him. Difficult fight for, uh, for, for Haskell, but still fun. Um, what am I looking for here? Linton Vassell, um, another Brit, could be a really interesting fight for mm. him. Um, what about the pygmy? Uh, way too experienced. Okay. Um, the, the thing is, is that James Haskell is going to go in here. I'm assuming he's going to use like a grappling heavy game plan because right. that's what he's, what he's been doing for the longest yeah. and kind of try and use his conditioning and athleticism. Uh, Justin Wren is an all American wrestler division one. Oh, okay. Um, and, and a really like legitimately good fighter d- does his grappling with half Elevata jr. And those guys up in Oklahoma city. And I, I just think that would be an absolute nightmare for James Haskell. Mm. Um, so really, I, I think, you know, it's probably going to be on a UK card. He's probably going to fight somebody like Linton Vassell. Um, uh, an interesting fight would be maybe if one of the light heavyweights comes up for uh, to heavyweight to face him. The guy that I mentioned before was Liam McGeary, um, another Brit. Uh, good jiu-jitsu, um, not going to be nearly as athletic or strong as James Haskell. That would be an interesting fight. Anyway, I, I think I've probably dedicated about half an hour longer to the subject than I originally <laughs> intended to. Uh, but yeah, good luck to James Haskell. I'll be yeah, interested to see definitely. who's coming up. Definitely. Who's coming up next? Um, so next up, just because I got it on the screen in front of me, after UFC two forty two, obviously, you know, and I I talked about it as ad nauseum on the last podcast. The fight that everybody wants to see is. Tony Ferguson could be it's the only fight that really makes sense at this point they've tried to make it so many times before and it hasn't happened um, I kind of espouse the the virtues of Tony Ferguson's game plan and the way he fights and why he matches up so much better with Khabib than, than all of the other people he's faced so far on the last podcast so I won't go into that today but you know obviously it's the fight to make um, but promoters being promoters Dana White being Dana White, you know, he's he's basically saying, yeah, 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 we'll we'll put that that fight together if we can. Uh, but, you know, if we can't do that, just saying it, you know, another Conor McGregor fight would make sense. Um fucking hell. I mean, yeah. I I just have this horrible feeling in the pit of my stomach that 
Dana White is going to do something to ask Tony Ferguson to step aside and put Conor McGregor in another fight. Yeah. Just because, you know, it, it definitely makes sense from a pay-per-view and a, and a revenue yeah, point of view, but it doesn't make sense in any other way. Khabib doesn't want to fight him, you know. Um, and that's the one thing that's kind of giving me hope is because I think Khabib does have quite strong principles as far as this is concerned. He doesn't care as much about the money. You know, I think he's, he's set financially for life no matter what happens yeah. at this point. Um, and he really doesn't want to fight McGregor again. He's been there, done that, proven his point. Um, and I, I just don't think the fight was close enough to warrant a rematch. Um, and Khabib, to his credit, since that kind of weird first interview after the fight, has said that Tony Ferguson does, de- does deserve the fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they can put it together, that's the fight that he wants. But that's not going to stop Dana White from seeing dollar signs and trying to put McGregor back in. Well, this is the thing I was saying the other day, too, is that I feel like Dana White wants to keep either Khabib or McGregor at the top and relevant because that's where he stands to make the most amount of money. If Tony Ferguson's champ, he's not making heaps of money from Tony Ferguson's fights. I mean, even though he's an amazing fighter, he's, you know, a fan favorite, uh, Khabib and McGregor are where sort of the dollar signs live, so he's going to want to keep keep those people's, you know, those people at the top, I think. Yeah, as long as you can keep putting up a video of Conor McGregor throwing a dolly through a fucking bus window. Yeah, or slapping a 60-year-old you know, man in a pub. You can generate income from the moron fans. Yeah. You know, that, and that's, that's where the money lies. The money doesn't lie with the hardcore fans or no. the people who want to see fighting legitimacy. The, the money comes from the NASCAR fans who tune in to see a car crash, you know, right. and Conor McGregor provides that car crash. Yeah. Not to say that McGregor is not a legitimate elite fighter. He is. But, you know, as his fame has grown, he's, he's become almost more about the spectacle at this point. Yeah, he doesn't fight very that. often. No. Um, and the, well, he doesn't fight in the octagon. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, he's more interested in fighting old men yeah, in bars. Yeah, street fights. Um, so, yeah, I, I just really hope that, that that isn't the case. McGregor, he's, if, if he does come back and fight, the, the trouble is, is that McGregor... He, he just wants huge fights. Yeah. So there are a lot of fights in that division that make sense for him. You know, for example, after... If they don't make the rematch between Edson Barboza and Paul Felder, which I think they should really do, like we talked about them maybe making it the, uh, the main event of a fight night and making it five rounds so we can get some finality to this fight once and for all. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they don't make that match, I would love to see McGregor come back and fight Paul Felder. But mm. McGregor is going to turn around and say, well, Felder's not a big enough name. I want the Khabib fight. Mm-hmm. McGregor was even tweeting um, immediately after the Khabib result this past weekend. You know, he said, book my rematch for Moscow. Right. And, you know, Dana White is creaming his yeah. fucking pants about the possibility of putting that fight on. If, if, if he, you know, if he didn't have any pressure from the fans or from the journalists or from the people who know anything about the sport and he had the choice between making a Tony Ferguson-Khabib fight or doing McGregor-Khabib uh, 2 in Moscow, of course he's going to do the McGregor fight. Of course he is. But Khabib doesn't want that fight. It's not the fight that makes sense. If, in playing devil's advocate a little bit here, you know, from the legitimate point of, of this opinion, I do understand that the UFC are going to be a little bit gun shy about putting together that uh, Ferguson Khabib fight again because it just seems to be cursed. Mm. I mean, they've tried to make it so many times. I think it's what, four times? In Is the past, it already four? I was thinking three, but fair enough. So, in, in preparation to, to kind of talk about this, I, I brought up here the, the history of this fight, okay. the kind of disappointing, uneasy history of this fight. Um, so let's kind of look through 
what happened. So the, the first time it was scheduled, Jesus Christ, that was October fifteenth, two thousand and fifteen. Four fucking years ago. That's crazy. This was before Khabib was champion. Obviously, yeah. this was after Khabib had fought Rafael dos Anjos. After um, okay. And and beaten him by unanimous decision. And and that I think that dos Anjos fight was the first time that everybody really stood up and went, okay, we we could have somebody quite special here. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so Khabib pulled out of that fight uh, with a rib injury. And he hadn't actually fought since April of 2014 before that. So he had a long layoff. Um, so Ferguson instead ended up facing Edson Barboza and beating him by Dars Choke in that fight. Okay. Goes to show again how good Ferguson is, you know, and how well-rounded he is. Anyway, so that, that was the first time. Um, October 15th, 2015. And uh, Khabib pulls out with a rib injury. Then we go to April 5th, 2016, 11 days out from a rescheduled contest with Nurmagomedov, Tony Ferguson withdraws from the UFC on Fox 19 main event against the Russian. He was forced off the card after suffering an illness which resulted in fluid and blood collecting in his lungs. So really unfortunate illness for Tony Ferguson. This second fight made the following year, Ferguson has to pull out. Then we move on to March 3rd, 2017. Uh, third scheduled meeting between Nurmagomedov and Ferguson falls foul, this time at the 11th hour. Whilst attempting to cut weight on the eve of the contest for an interim lightweight championship bout at UFC 209 in Brooklyn, New York, Nurmagomedov was taken to the Sunrise Hospital and Medical Center late on Thursday after suffering severe issues with his kidneys and deemed medically incapable of competing. So that was the, uh, you know, the infamous tiramisu. <laughs> tiramisu gate. <laughs> yeah, tiramisu gate. You know, it's, it's no secret that Khabib cuts... A shit ton of weight um, and he was obviously really suffering uh, at that point um, it brought up a lot of issues about how well he was preparing for the fight in terms of his diet mm. in terms of the whole weight cutting picture and, and what an issue it was um, so then you have two Khabib pullouts and one Ferguson pullout to this point over the course of two and a half years then we move to the last time they tried to make this fight which was April 1st 2018 and of course we all know what happened then it's, it's kind of looming large in our memory still when Tony Ferguson tripped over some cables at a UFC media event and, and tore his knee apart um, and then obviously you know after that we saw how unbelievably impressive it was for him to come back in six months beat the crap out of Anthony Pettis and then turn around pretty quickly and then beat Cowboy again which just goes to show what a special athlete Tony Ferguson really is yeah. and more importantly what an incredibly strong mindset he has to be able to come back and, and look almost better than he did beforehand mm -hmm. after such a severe injury when everybody thought that he would be compromised yeah, uh, he and he just proved everybody too. wrong yeah? he, didn't even he did it his own way yeah. um, you know he, that, that guy is, is special yeah, definitely. and I think you know he, he's had recently we heard that he may have been having some mental issues and things like that for sure he's crazy yeah. he's insane yeah. but it is his insanity that I think is his strongest asset he, he has a mental approach to the game like nobody else the way he trains is different the way he thinks about things is different his unbelievable self-belief is like nothing I've ever seen mm. um, and that's why everybody wants to see this fight so from Dana White in the UFC's point of view after running down that kind of history of, of the attempts to make this fight briefly it's two pullouts each yep. um, from uh, Ferguson and from Khabib that there's something in the air about this fight and the last thing that the UFC wants to do is arrange this fight again and have something go wrong because people will just go nuts so understandably 
you're going to have some resistance about making this matchup, but it just has to happen. In my opinion, it's the most important fight of this generation of lightweights. Um, so, please, God, let's let's make it happen. Yeah, definitely put your hands together, everyone. Let's see. Yeah. Um, all right, what do we got next? Let's see. What is next? Um, so, I'm oh, just... Oh, I know what I want. I want to mention something. Barbosa's um, uh, coaching staff is appealing his loss and not the loss specifically but the scoreline how each of the fighters gleaned a 30-27 result from the judges and his staff wants the UFC to look long and hard at their at their judges and figure out what the fuck is going on there which is fair enough good luck with that I know well that's what they that's what the article (laughs) said too it's like you know lots of people have appealed decisions and the way uh, d- decisions have gone and and um, and thought that they they deserved a second look, but nothing ever fucking happens with that. No, ath- athletic commissions are notoriously shady about protecting their judges. Um, we've talked about this before uh, on the show, and uh, the the trouble is is that the judging system it's not necessarily built with the right people. You know, there's a lot of nepotism involved. A lot of people getting judges because they're somebody's mate, somebody's wife, somebody's husband, somebody's son. Um, you know, and the right people are not necessarily judging these fights. And the athletic commissions, because of the way the judges are chosen, don't really want people looking too deeply into the situation. And so these things just tend to get thrown out. Um, the, the judging was ridiculous. I mean, I can't imagine a situation, for example, where... Um, and this is... Uh, I, I was listening to what used to be Sherdog Radio, which is now Between Rounds, with TJ DeSantis and Jeff Sherwood... And they said very rightly, you know, they couldn't imagine a situation where they were to both sit down, watch a fight and judge it. And they would have dissenting um, 30-27 scorecards for different fighters. I mean, it's just, it's so unlikely that that would happen. Um, And it happens way more often than you would like in MMA. All the time. Yeah, the the judging has gotten better. It's not as bad as it used to be, but it's still pretty terrible. Um, it, It wasn't the worst decision in terms of who won. Listen, no. I, I do think Barboza won that fight. Me too. But it was a close fight. Yeah. <clears throat> and they're not they're not complaining about the result. No, and you could have argued it either way. Yeah. But but if that's what Barboza's team are complaining about, they're absolutely right. Yeah, definitely. It, it's the dissension in what the judges saw. Yeah. You the know, fact that each fighter got a thirty twenty seven yeah. doesn't make any fucking sense at all. No, no, it doesn't. And the fact that anybody in my mind could have scored that first round for Paul Felder is astonishing to yeah. me. Astonishing to yeah. me. Like, so often these fights where it's a really contentious three-round decision comes down to the second round, um, and so I can kind of get that, but what I don't get is scoring that first round for Felder. That is just absolutely no. crazy. Yeah, definitely. So I'm, I'm glad they're looking into it. I don't think anything is going to come of it, but at least by them questioning it publicly, it draws attention to it, um, and maybe the more people do this, the better it will get, and hopefully, <coughs> excuse me, hopefully as time goes on, uh, this will get better and better as we start to get former fighters coming in to judge fights and, and just the, the system itself gets better and maybe this, these athletic commissions get, get less and less corrupt and, so, and more transparent. So how about this? How about after Bellator, when these guys are done in Bellator, then they can go back to the UFC as judges. Do you reckon it's like <laughs> Bellator can be a feeder organization for UFC judges? What about that? Maybe. Maybe <laughs> that could be the way it works. The, the trouble is, is that once you go to Bellator, Dana White basically uh, writes you off as a human. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want to 
And and as much as Dana White protests UFC about judges aren't human, so that's that's all right. As much as Dana White protests about um, the fact that the UFC has no say over what goes on with the athletic commissions and no say over the judging or anything, like, I don't else. buy it for a second. No, he's, he's he's been copping out with that excuse for years. They're all wearing diamond crusted uh, Rolexes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're 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 so in bed with one another. It's it's absolutely crazy. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you want to talk about badass motherfucker belt? Yeah, man. I love that so much. So I'm not sure if they're actually going to... It sounds as though that Dana White is actually going to make a physical belt for this Jorge Masvidal, uh, (laughs) Nate Diaz fight at UFC 244. It's never, ever going to be uh, defended or, you know, this is just like a one-time deal. And now Masvidal has asked The Rock. He's personally tweeted The Rock and The Rock's replied to say that he will... If Masvidal wins, then he's going to present Masvidal with the belt in person. I will say this. Yeah. The badass motherfucker belt is no less legitimate or ridiculous to me than any of the fucking interim title belts that Agreed. UFC keeps yeah. handing out. I mean, I'd rather see these than interim belts. Yes, exactly. At least these this is fun. Yeah, At least this fun. is a bit of fun and definitely. it's a novelty. Yeah, definitely. They hand out interim belts like Tic Tacs and they mean nothing. Mm. You know, on the run up to this... Uh, Khabib Poirier fight, Khabib was lamenting the fact that they were calling it a champion versus champion fight, and I absolutely agree with him. You, you're taking away the legitimacy of the real belt by by handing out these interim belts constantly. It's just ridiculous. And then the fact that the interim belts seem to mean nothing to the organization. Like, they just take Colby's away, they take Tony Ferguson's away at a whim. You know, they, they don't care about these belts, and if the organization itself doesn't care about the belts enough to legitimize them, then why the hell should the fans? So... Whatever, you know what? Badass motherfucker belt. You know what? Why don't we give Colby the biggest twat belt while we're at it? And yeah. uh, just just create a name for everything going on. We'll make it out of manure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Spe- and, speaking oh, of Colby, sorry. No, I yeah. just wanted to mention one thing about the belt because I think that's kind of interesting about how they're not giving people new belts now if they keep their belt. They get a ruby Im- uh. Uh, embedded in the belt, right? Yeah. You read, you read about that. I didn't really read that much about it, but... Well, yeah, I just saw it on the uh, the embedded Yeah, that's kind of interesting. I, I quite like it. I like it too. I think it's yeah. like... I mean, it's cool to have a stack of belts and stuff, but I think uh, an... Im- what was I going to say? Im- embed? No, that's not what I'm trying to say. Like, where you... Encrust? Maybe. I don't know. Like, embellish, maybe, yeah. with uh, your existing belt, with some, some jewelry, I think is, yeah. it's flash. It's cool. In, in one way, like, I think it's a bit of a shame, because uh, I used to love, like, uh, back in the day, watching the All Access shows and stuff, and you would go to Randy Couture's house, and he'd have, like, fucking six belts yeah. up on his mantle. You know, it does look quite cool, but... You have to have a whole room dedicated yeah, if you're a, yeah. an established sort of... Uh, the, the new belts, too. Like, when they first came out, I really wasn't sure about yeah, them. Yeah, we didn't like them, did we? Um, they kind of looked a lot to me like a like a, like a giant Super Bowl ring. Like, put on a, that uh, was that kind of, like, signet ring. or Yes. But now... Like a high school, yeah. high school ring. Now I see the two belts side by side. I, I quite like them. Yeah, I like it, too. I like it, too. I think it's a nice idea. What were you going to say, sorry? Oh, just about Colby and Masvidal. Oh. You know, I, I was wondering when, when this is going to happen because they're such different characters. They do train at the same gym, um, but they haven't actually... They, they've been talking about, up until recently, how they were friends, uh, and then Colby inevitably started talking shit about Jorge. Yeah, because Jorge's more popular than he is. Yeah. I just, you know, I the sport needs more people like Jorge Masvidal and fewer people like Colby Covington. That, that's all I'm going to say about that. It's just... You know, it's ridiculous at this point. I know that Colby is just trying to promote himself and make money, but he's 
he's not he's like Chael Sonnen now. Like he's actually yeah. merged with this weird, weird heel character. It's become a part of his personality now. And people can tell me all they want about how he's a nice guy outside of it. I just don't believe a word of it. You know, it's just he he's turning on his friends. He's go he's just a dick. He's just a dick. And you can never forget that he is Colby Call the Cops Covington. He talks a big game, he spouts a load of shit, and then when somebody actually turns around and he's faced with physical consequences for it, he calls the cops. And he's supposed to be a professional fighter. I I think the guy's pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. Um and we'll see. Um I, have you heard any more about what's happening with the fight with him and Usman? Because I thought it was on and now it's not on. There, there's no. some issue with it. Um, no, let me see if I can see anything on here. I don't think so, though. Yeah, because that, that, again, is a fight that really needs to happen. But if, if, Colby's, if Colby's fucking around, then they, they've got to make another fight. Oh, so according to Colby Covington, Kamaru Usman has no intention of, uh, of fighting it to MSG. I don't give a fuck what Colby says. Is there, is, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Is, is there a legitimate source somewhere mm, that's talking about it? Not really. It's just him, like, he says, bitch, you don't want to fight. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll wait till the next podcast then and do some actual research on it to, uh, to yeah. try and sort it out. Because I'm, I'm not sure what's happening with that fight. I thought it was a done deal. Um, but yeah, it's, I it's thought, kind of being, it it's kind of being glossed over now with, uh, Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal oh, fight anyway. Oh, okay, so division. it says it was originally teased that reigning welterweight champ Kamaru Usman would headline the upcoming, uh, pay-per-view UFC 244. Opposite former interim title holder Colby Covington, but the UFC went ahead and booked Diaz Masvidal instead. Makes sense. I mean, that's way more fun. Way more fun. I know, like everyone wants to see uh, Colby get his ass handed to him, but um, I think this is. I, I would have liked to have fight. seen like both fights on the same card. We could have had like a super welterweight contest, you know, because then you you have Diaz and uh, Masvidal as the co-main. And then the welterweight title is the main event. And then you have everybody under the same roof. And, and you know exactly what's happening with that belt immediately afterwards. So whoever wins that, that Diaz-Masvidal fight, it, it would make sense to mm. give him a title shot. You know, you do have other people waiting in the wings, obviously, in that division. Um, and then the title fight afterwards, that would have been fun. I don't see why you couldn't have made him on the same card. Me neither. But oh, when, well. when you're dealing with personalities like that, yeah. who knows? Roll on November 2nd. That's going to be awesome. I can't wait for that. Yeah, it's going to be good. I don't really have anything else, I don't think. Do you have anything? I'm uh, just looking down some of the current events. I think uh, I think we're pretty much there. Oh yeah, I just want to. Sherdog always does their own kind of fights to make after events, so I just want to have a look at those and have a quick chat about those, and then we can finish up there. Here you go, matches to make after two forty two. Oh yeah, that's awesome. So here is the article, the fights people want to see. Or the fights that the Sherdog journalists think we need to see. Mm. Obviously, the first one, no surprises there, could be Ferguson. I mean, we've talked en- endlessly mm-hmm. about that, so we don't need to say anything else about that. Everybody knows that that's the fight that people want to see. Oh, I um, like the look of that. Yeah. Paul Felder versus Justin Gaethje, uh, the winner of Justin Gaethje or Donald Cerrone. That is a great fight. Vancouver, next weekend, yeah. my hometown. Woo. Absolutely great fight. Because if you make that Tony Ferguson fight with Khabib, then it gives this whole situation some time to play out. You know, the winner of Gaethje Ferguson, uh, oh, sorry, the winner of Gaethje Cerrone faces Paul Felder, and, and then, you know, you've got a super legitimate contender that's going to come out of that mix to go in. And I hope, 
I really hope it would be Justin Gaethje because I talked about how much I'd love to see that Gaethje Khabib fight after that great fight. Um, then we're moving on to the heavyweight division. Curtis Blades uh, looked seriously, seriously impressive in his fight against uh, Abdurrahimov this last weekend. You know, he kind of Khabibed <laughs> Abdurrahimov. <laughs> nice. You know, took him down, controlled him, wore on him, some seriously good ground and pound, worked his way into mount and ended up really, really damaging Abdurrahimov's nose with that huge elbow uh, just before the fight got stopped. He looked really good. Curtis Blades is an elite wrestler. His conditioning is getting way, way better. And he just like, he, he's a real problem for everybody in that division, unless your name is Francis Ngannou. Okay. You know, he's faced Ngannou twice now. I really thought he was going to beat Ngannou in that last fight, but it just, you know, Francis can touch you from anywhere and knock you out. He just has this crazy face melting power. Mm. You know, back in the day, I remember Jordan Breen talking about Anthony Johnson uh, when somebody was asking about his martial arts credentials and he said he had a, a black belt and fast twitch muscle fiber. Right. You know, that, that's exactly what Francis Ngannou is like. He's mm. just, he's just a, a wild card. He can be far less skilled than you, but that power is just so equalizing. Right. Um, so, you know, Curtis Blade's coming up. He's had trouble there, but he's, he's a really interesting contender and I was glad to see him get a good win. Um, and they're suggesting here that he goes on now to fight Dos Santos or Alexander Volkov, um, who are fighting... I'm not sure when they're fighting. Um, November 9th, is that what that says? Yeah. Once, UFC Fight Night 163. So yeah, Curtis Blades... Oh, it's in Moscow. That's the same... Oh, the same card? Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so Curtis Blades versus the winner of Dos Santos Volkov. Great fight. Setting up a really good uh, contender there. Nice. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. I just wanted to drink some coffee and shoot some shit about fights with you. We've done that. We've shot shit. <laughs> yeah. So Doing shit shooting. We'll come back uh, on a Thursday or Friday because we've got that Cowboy Gaethje card to oh, break down. I can't fucking wait for that one. Yeah, that's going to be that's gonna be really fun. Oh, don't disappoint me, boys. I mean, if they're actually going to create a division for the baddest motherfucker yeah. belt, then this is another fight that's going to... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> for, for, for my money, Justin Gaethje is the baddest motherfucker. Like, I, no he, one more he can, he can lose fights, he yeah. can win fights, it doesn't really matter. No. I love Jorge Masvidal, you know, but he, he's had some fights where he's underperformed in the past. Justin Gaethje never underperforms. He just throws himself against that brick wall for a bit too long yeah. uh, and ends up, you know. But he's just, he's just probably the toughest man that has ever walked in to that cage. It, rather out of character for Justin Gaethje. He's been in the press also because he's been giving Conor McGregor a bit of shit about being a terrible husband and a terrible father by setting a bad example. You don't hear that kind of stuff out of him very often. No, he's you don't. pretty low-key dude, but he's... Not impressed by uh, Conor McGregor's performance. Well, I, I think, you know, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he he said that after McGregor tweeted um, after the main event this past weekend, you know, book my rematch for Moscow. Yeah. And, and so I don't think Justin Gaethje, well, I think Justin Gaethje rightly doesn't like the fact that McGregor is just trying to artificially insert himself back not. into that title shot no. when there are, you know, legitimate guys lined up to yeah. try and take that shot at the title. And Agreed. so it pissed Gaethje off and yeah. he said something, you can tell. which I, I agree with. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's an I, I agree with yeah, if, if it comes you know indeed. deciding between Conor McGregor and Justin Gaethje I'm, I'm not hugging Justin Gaethje all, all the way to the bank yeah. um, that would be a great fight too you know yeah. this is the thing it's a shame that Diaz is so set on that rematch with Khabib when there are so many good fights for him in the top 10 of that division that anybody would pay through their nose to see uh, and Justin Gaethje is one of them but yeah, I, I really look forward to it. And, and so if, if there's anybody like who's brand new to the sport listening to this 
and doesn't know that much about Justin Gaethje. There are no two better examples of just extreme, entertaining, tough, gritty fights that just boil down to who wants it more than Justin Gaethje versus Eddie Alvarez and Justin Gaethje versus Dustin Poirier. Yeah, look those up, Charles. Unbelievable fights, you know, but it doesn't really matter because you can go and watch any Justin Gaethje fight whether it's a win or a loss, and he didn't have any losses until he got to the UFC. That first fight when he came into the UFC against Michael Johnson, I mean, he was losing that fight for a bit until he came back to absolutely destroy Johnson, and it was just through sheer toughness. I mean, what just he's a special, special human, and he's putting his health on the line every time he goes into that cage. He deserves to be paid $10 million a fight just so that you know he's going to be able to pay his medical expenses yeah. as he gets older. Yeah, he's awesome. But, but what a guy, man. Yeah. I mean, go go watch those fights. And uh, and if you're not a fan, then as mm. Brendan Shaw would say, lose my number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you will be. Um, yeah. All right. Let's, let's leave it there then. Rad. Thanks, All right, man, cool. That was fun. Yeah, so we'll be back later in the week to break down the... Man, I've uh, had a lot of coffee. ...Gage today. Serrani Ooh. flight. <laughs> I'm going to carry on drinking some more coffee. <laughs> Uh, we are brought to you, as always, by Desktop Dojo. Thank you very much to Adam Slater, who lives in his mum's basement in Nebraska. No, I think and, he li- uh, he's moved into a van down by the river, hasn't Oh, okay. He? I thought he was living under a bridge in Western Superman. Oh, that's okay. it. That's it. That's right. where he is. Anyway, check out desktopdojo.com if you have a martial arts gym and you need a good website built for you. If you want to follow the podcast on Instagram, you can follow us at the GTG Podcast. If you want to follow me, you can follow me at Harder to Kill BJJ. And if you want to follow Shan, you can follow her at Foxface underscore world. I'm not on Facebook because I hate it, so just stick to Instagram. Other than that, we have nothing else to plug because only five people listen to this podcast and uh, nobody wants to advertise with us. So if you want to advertise to five people, yeah. then get in touch with us. Definitely. And uh, we'll put whatever you want on the podcast. Other than that, we're out. That does it for today's episode. Thank you very much for listening. Hopefully you were entertained and informed all at the same time. Uh, You might notice that our sound quality has gotten a little bit better. That's because I bought us microphones that didn't work and we were using them for episode after episode, thinking they were working, but really just recording really shittily into our phone microphone. So now hopefully it sounds a little bit better in your ear holes. Um... That's it. We'll be back next week to break down Justin Gaethje. Not next week. The end of this week. To break down Justin Gaethje and Cowboy and talk about some other stuff. And, uh, yeah. Until then. Have a good week. Yeah. Whatever.